Hey team, Alexis Evans here, and welcome back to the 4th and Gold podcast, hosted by yours truly. This week, I'll be combining the highs and lows from both week 6 and week 7 of NFL games. I'm calling out the top 5 players, the worst team efforts, game highlights, on and off the field drama, and of course, I will be going over my predictions for the upcoming weekend of games. We're heading into week eight of the NFL's regular season, and we've got a lot to talk about. So let's go. All right, team, let's get started. I want to begin with our top five players of the week from week six. Number one, I have Derrick Henry, the running back from the Tennessee Titans. Henry was named the AMC Offensive Player of the Week and rushed 20 times for 143 yards and three touchdowns in Monday night's 34-31 win over the Bills. He also caught two of three targets for 13 yards. At his top speed, Derrick Henry was clocked going 21.8 miles per hour on his 76-yard touchdown run. This is now on record as the fastest speed reached by a ball carrier this season. He also got himself on the list of the most rushing touchdowns of 75 plus yards in NFL history. He recorded to have four touchdown runs from 75 plus yards and 84 games played. He's listed right under Adrian Peterson, OJ Simpson, and right above Barry Sanders. He's just the fastest moving brick wall the NFL has ever seen and I personally love watching him outrun defenders that are literally half his size (laughs) all right here we go moving on to my second one we got TJ Watt the linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers Watt was named the AFC defensive player of the week for week six Watt finished Sunday's game with a pair of sacks three tackles for loss three passes defensed and a forced fumble Both of Watts' sacks came in overtime in critical situations. The first came in on third and four from the Pittsburgh 45, knocking Seattle out of Steelers territory and forcing a punt. And the second came after Pittsburgh had punted it back to the Seahawks as Watts stripped sack Geno Smith. Linebacker Devin Bush recovered the loose ball and set up Chris Boswell's walk-off 37-yard field goal. On the season, Watt has seven sacks through five games as he was inactive in week three against the Cincinnati Bengals due to a groin injury. A finalist for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year the last two seasons, this is the fourth time TJ Watt has been selected as the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. The last time Watt brought home the award was in week two of 2020 against the Denver Broncos when he had two and a half sacks. Moving on to number three, I have Devontae Adams, a wide receiver of Green Bay Packers. Through six weeks, Adams is number one in the NFL with 16 catches of at least 16 yards. Adams currently leads the NFL in receiving yards with 668. Of his 668 yards, 452 have come on catches of at least 16 yards or roughly 68%. And all of those stats were as of week six. Some of those have changed as of week seven. So I'll get into that later. Moving on to number four, I have Kyler Murray, my quarterback from the Arizona Cardinals. 
Kyler Murray has looked like a number one overall pick should look, amassing 14 passing touchdowns and carrying the third highest QBR. Last week against the Browns, Murray had 20 completions out 30 out of 30 attempts and a total of 229 passing yards. He ended the game with four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and was sacked twice. His QBR topped the charts of 61.8%. Good Morning Football Kay Adams revealed that she thinks Murray's top end is higher than those of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Moving on to my last one of week six, I have a Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. With his 445 passing yards, three touchdowns, including the game winner to CeeDee Lamb, Dak was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Dak Prescott is unquestionably the leader of this team, and he led them to a rare win in New England Sunday, beating the Patriots in overtime 35-29. to He did suffer an injury that was reported to be a mild calf strain. Dak said to the media, quote, Life keeps throwing punches, and I'm going to keep throwing them back, unquote. It's part of it. It's part of the game. It is a physical game we play, and I'll be fine. The Cowboys have a bye week coming up, which was last week, which will give Dak plenty of time to heal and get ready for week eight against the Vikings. All right, that was week six, my top five players. And now I kind of want to jump forward to week seven. Um, Last week, we did um, a we had a crazy week of games and I'll get into those in a little bit, but I want to talk about my top five players from week seven. So here we go to many, uh, to a lot of people's surprise, I guess I would say my number one player of the week from week seven is quarterback from the Tennessee Titans, Brian Tannehill. Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans blew the Kansas City Chiefs out of the water last week, beating them 27-3. Tannehill was about as sharp as he's looked all season in his first half with the Titans. He completed uh, his first 10 passes en route to finishing 21 of 27 for 270 yards, while also adding two total touchdowns, quote, or in parentheses, one rushing. (laughs) Nice job. The offense was torching the Chiefs secondary through the air, leading the Tennessee Titans dropping 27 points in the first half, and the defense held Kansas City scoreless in the first two quarters. Whatever the case may be, Tannehill and the Titans passing attack looks like it's finally rounding into form halfway through the season. (laughs) All right, here we go. Moving on. My number two top player of week seven is Cincinnati's Jamar Chase. Chase is at the top of the leaderboard for receiving yards after week seven with 754 receiving yards. He is second in the league right below Los Angeles Rams Cooper Cup. ESPN also named him the number one rookie in the NFL with 35 receptions, 754 yards, and six total touchdowns. In their rankings, ESPN wrote, quote, the 21-year-old leads the league in yards per catch, 21.5, has three 100-yard games, including a 200-yard outing, and has the most receiving yards through seven career games in NFL history with 754. It is clear this is a dynamic player who is going to require defenses to make a plan for him every single weekend. And that means going beyond just putting their best cover player on him most of the time, unquote. 
I honestly haven't heard much about him this uh, this season yet, so I am excited that he is getting the recognition that he deserves because he is an amazing player that I just have not spent enough time watching. So I'm excited for him. All right, moving on to number three from week seven, I have quarterback from the New England Patriots, Mac Jones. Jones is gaining more confidence every week, and the Patriots fans are beginning to rally behind their new quarterback. The, the Bleacher Report said, quote, the rookie quarterback is getting better with experience, and he had his most impressive showing to this point on Sunday. The 23-year-old went 24 for 36 for 307 yards and two touchdowns, marking the first 300-yard game in his NFL his, in his NFL career, which is short, I will say, but it is his first one so far. He also didn't throw an interception after getting picked off in each of the previous four games, throwing six interceptions during that span. While Jones gets better, he is also praising his teammates for doing the same. So not only is he getting better alone, but he's making sure his teammates are feeling the love from him and making sure that they know that he's appreciating their hard work as well, which is something that I love. All right, moving on to number four, I have Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams. Cup has been on my top five players of the week list for most of the past seven weeks. His hot start to 2021 has been a pleasant surprise to the Rams fan base. Through seven weeks, Cup leads the league in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdown catches, putting up huge numbers this far. He has caught 56 passes for 809 yards and nine touchdowns already. Currently, Cup is averaging 115.6 yards per game. If he maintains that for the entire 17-game season, he would finish the year with 1,965 yards receiving. His quick chemistry with new quarterback Matthew Stafford is extremely encouraging for the future of the Los Angeles Rams. And moving on to my last top player from week seven, this is the New York Giants' Darius Slayton. Slayton, who was playing in his first game since injuring his hamstring against the Falcons in week three, Slayton's 63 receiving yards was the most of the team, the most on the team, while his five receptions matched Dante Pettis for the second highest. Even Ingram had only six catches. <laughs> The third-year receiver finished with an 84.8 overall grade, which includes a dominant 86.8 run block grade on 13 running plays. So the team has been having a rough season, but he was a standout in Week 7, and I hope that he just takes this momentum from this week and carries it with him for the rest of the season. Hopefully he can get some more wins for his team. All right, we are moving on. So I'm going a little quick this time around since I'm trying to cover two whole weeks in one podcast, so bear with me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about the blowouts from week six. So there were a few, and I'm just going to list them um, just because there were six. So there's quite a few, to be honest. Um, my first one was the Ravens over Los Angeles Chargers. The Ravens beat the Chargers 34 to 6, which is nuts. That is crazy. I think, I mean, obviously we knew that the Ravens are a good team. Lamar Jackson is great, but the Chargers have had a surprisingly great season. And I think 
me plus many other NFL fans thought that that was at least going to be a tough game that was going to be like a close game and ended up being an absolute blowout with the Ravens being the Chargers 34 to 6. So sad day for the Chargers. Um, moving on to my second one, I have the Los Angeles Rams over the New York Giants. Remind Reminder, this is from week six. So this was before um, my Darius Slayton New York Giants uh, top player of the week came in and did his thing. So uh, the Los Angeles Rams beat the Giants 38 to 11. That is another blowout. I think, you know, I, I think we all knew the Rams were going to beat the Giants, but I don't think we knew it was going to be that bad. So hopefully, um, you know, as we saw, Darius Slayton came in the week seven after this game and helped them make that win um, for week seven for the Giants. So um, hoping only uh, onward and upward for the Giants. Moving on to number three, I have the Indianapolis Colts with a huge win over the Houston Texans. They beat them 31 to three. Um, the Houston Texans, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later when we talk about coaches, but they are having a terrible season. Um, the Colts are not having the best season either, but they're clearly having a better season than the Texans. Um, and they beat them massively in week six. Um, so hopefully the Texans can get something going for the rest of the season, but as I'll talk about in a little bit later in this episode, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, moving on to number four. The Cincinnati Bengals crushed the Detroit Lions. They beat them 34 to 11. Um, the Lions, yeah. I just feel really, I feel bad. I feel bad for them. Um, Joe Burrow, I know he's good. I didn't think he was that great. Um, and I guess this is kind of proving me wrong. Although it's the Detroit Lions, so it's not like they, they beat the Bucks 34 to 11. But, um, you know, they still played well. And I think that the Lions just, man, they got to get something going here. It's, they might just have like a, just a terrible season, which I think they're in store for. So mm, that was a rough one. Moving on to number five, I have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Washington football team 31 to 13. Um, the Chiefs have been all over the map this season. They've been great one week, and then very next week they're terrible. And I'm we're, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, because week six was great for them, but then week seven, terrible. So very strange. It's a very bipolar team right now. Um, the Washington football team. Still not the best. They've obviously have a lot going on um, in their personal organization right now with all these investigations um, the NFL is doing. So there's this, they've got a lot of baggage right now. And then my last blowout from week six is the Arizona Cardinals beating the Cleveland Browns 37 to 14. The Cardinals are just so good this season. Um, and, you know, I think. JJ Watt said it best when he was like, maybe we're just good. Like, I think it's crazy that everyone's like trying to make these excuses as to why the Cardinals are winning every single week and why they're still undefeated. And I think like, I think we should all look at JJ Watt's perspective and just say like, maybe we're just really good. Um, and I think that would make the most sense. All right. We're going to look at the upsets from from week seven. Um, so jumping again, jumping to week seven, 
moving on from the week six blowouts, we're going to look at the upsets. So as I just discussed, um, the Kansas City Chiefs are very bipolar this season. Um, Although they had a blowout in week six and completely crushed the Washington football team, then came back in week six and were dominated by the Tennessee Titans, which is a big surpriser for everyone. Um, Not only did the Titans beat them, but they beat them 27 to three. I think, like, I think I just, we need to, like, pause and, like, reflect on that because that's nuts. Um, like I talked about a little bit earlier, Tannehill had a great game. Um, and we all love a good Derrick Henry showing. Um, but, man, Patrick Mahomes and his weird family and his team just being so bipolar. I just, the Chiefs are so weird this season. It's just strange. Anyways, um... The Titans crushed them in week seven. So we'll see what happens in week eight. We'll see. All right. uh, Number two upset from week seven. I have the Bengals beating the Ravens 41 to 17. Um, This is another weird one. I think that the Ravens are, you know, they're a decent team. I think Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback. I think he's obviously the heart and soul of that team. Um, But I wouldn't have pegged them to one lose to the Bengals and then lose so horribly to the Bengals. Um, especially since this is a division game and it's a heated rivalry between these two. I would have thought they would have put up a, a bigger fight for this one, but obviously they did not. Um, so the Bengals crushed them 41 to 17 and I don't know. We'll see. The Bengals are on like a hot streak right now. So we'll see what happens in week eight for them. Um, And we'll see what happens with the Ravens. They might just take this one and be like, nope, not happening again. We're beating whoever we're playing in week eight. Moving on to number three, I have the Giants beating the Panthers 25 to three. Now the Panthers had a great beginning to this season and now they're kind of depleting. Um, Ever since they lost Christian McCaffrey, it's kind of been just like a downhill uh, spiral for them. Um, but the Giants are just not that great of a team. Um, although they are starting to come back, um, especially with Darius Slayton coming back now onto the team and making some moves. I think Daniel Jones is starting to get into the into the groove here. But um, yeah, they they really beat the Panthers like by a lot. And the Panthers just man, Sam Darnold. He needs to he needs to pull it together. Like. This was his supposed to be his comeback season after moving from the Jets um, to Carolina. And I think he needs to like really step into those shoes and take take a hold of that. All right, moving on to number four, we have the Colts beating the 49ers 30 to 18. Um, Colts are on a streak. Sheesh. Uh, 49ers, I really thought they were gonna be a better team this season. I don't know, I don't know what happened. Um, I like Jerry, uh, I like Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I almost just called him Jerry Garoppolo. (laughs) I like Jimmy Garoppolo and I like Kyle Shanahan. I think they're a great duo and I really like uh, John Lynch as the owner. Um, I like all those players um, in the organization, but for some reason there's having uh, a tough time in this season. Uh, They started off great and now they're kind of they're on a rough patch. So um, Colts beat them, which was an upset. I totally, I totally would have picked the 49ers 
Actually, I did. I picked the 49ers to win that game, and they lost. They proved me wrong. All right, moving on to week seven blowouts. So we just have a few, just three. Um, and I don't think any of these are surprising, but they were absolute blowouts, um, which just means that the teams that lost are just really, I feel like, not even putting into, like, an effort at all. <laughs> like, they see these good teams, and they're like, hmm. Yeah, no. And they just like give up. They just like lay down. Like, no, put in some effort, right? Like, um, the Bears lost to the Bucks. Not surprising, but it was a 38 to 3 loss. That's huge. Like, like three, three, three. Like, I've been talking, I've probably said so many teams just now that only had three points on the board in the past two weeks. That's nuts. Come on. Three. Come on. Um, it's like Tom Brady probably didn't even need to be there. Like that's sad. Moving on to number two, I have uh, the Jets and the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots won that game. I think that was an obvious one. Um, but they beat them 54 to 13. 54 to 13. Like, come on. Uh, I mean, the Jets are not good, and we all know that. Um, and they have a brand new quarterback, and he is young, he's a child. Um, but the Patriots also have a brand new quarterback, Mac Jones. Like they're both, they both were in the same draft class. Um, so if, you know, if you look at those new compare them, you've got to be like, okay, they're both in the same age. They both came from the same draft class. What's the difference here? And it's the coaching. So I think we've got to look at the coaching for the Jets and be like, something needs to change. And then moving on to my last one, I have the Texans and the Cardinals. The Cardinals obviously beat the Texans because the Texans are terrible this season, but they beat them 31 to 5, which is also really sad. So um, again, the Texans, they're just, they're having a terrible season. Um, they've won one game this season, and I don't think that's going to get any better. So hopefully they can just like at least put up a fight further games and not just be like, okay, you guys win. Go for it. Right. And that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's move on here. <laughs> I want to talk about the league leaders and passing yards. And then we're not jumping forward to week seven. Now we're just going to stay in that week seven, just house for the rest of this episode here. My league leaders in passing yards. After week seven, we have our top passing leaders in the league. I don't think any of the quarterbacks are a huge surprise, but uh, here they are. Number one, Tom Brady with 2,275 passing yards. He is the GOAT. We know it. We get it. You're good. Um, We bow down to you. Moving on to number two, Derek Carr with 2,269 passing yards. Um, he's honestly not that far behind Tom Brady, so that's pretty impressive, to be honest with you. Um, moving on to number three, Matthew Stafford with 2,172 passing yards. I think we can all agree that his move to Los Angeles Rams was a great decision for him, and this is honestly the best I've ever seen him play, so congrats. Moving on to number four, we have Patrick Mahomes with 2,093 passing yards. And number five, we have Kyler Murray with 2,002 passing yards. Um, and Kyler Murray is just really impressive. Um, his team is undefeated, and 
he is a young quarterback. So, um, and his team is the only undefeated team in the league right now. So it's, he's, he's impressive. Um, the only surprise to me on this list is Mahomes. Obviously he's an amazing quarterback, but with the fourth, um, but with the fourth most passing yards in the league, you'd think his team would have a better record this season. They're currently sitting at three and four after a massive loss to the Tennessee Titans last week. And this fact leads us directly into my next list of rankings, the quarterbacks with the most interceptions in the league. So we're going to start with number one, Patrick Mahomes (laughs) with nine interceptions. So he is good. He's got a lot of passing yards, but he's also literally number one in interceptions in the entire league. So there's a little, uh, you know, contradiction there. Um, again, like I said, the Kansas City Chiefs are extremely bipolar this season. I don't know what is going on with them. Um, I think that Patrick Mahomes is a good player. I think he's a good guy personally. I think his family is super weird. And I think, like, they're just causing a lot of trouble in the league and they need to pull back a little bit. That's what I personally think. But I think Patrick Mahomes by himself is great but his team they're having they're having some some moments this season one week they're good one week they're the worst so i don't know the inconsistency is is strange all right moving on to number two zach wilson with nine also nine interceptions so patrick mahomes and zach wilson have the same same number of interceptions which is not something to brag about for patrick mahomes so um, Zach Wilson is brand new to the league, and this is not really that surprising that he has so many interceptions. Number three, Joe Burrow with number eight or with eight interceptions in the league. Um, and the last two quarterbacks, Sam Darnold as well as Trevor Lawrence, also share the same number. They're all pretty young. Sam Darnold, not as much, but Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence are all pretty new to the league. So I'm not surprised that they're on this list um, just because that huge leap from college football to the NFL is um, just, I'm sure, extremely crazy. And um, the level of, of athleticism is just a huge leap from what they were used to in college. And so it just comes with a learning curve. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, come on, you need to just pull it together here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think the Chiefs are just so weird this season. Um, all right, here we go. Moving on. As we head into the midway mark of the season, it's time to talk about the coaches. So I have a list of the coaches that are in the hot seat after week six. And these coaches might want to start looking for a new job. They might need to like start putting their resume up on LinkedIn <laughs> because they are just kind of really falling to the wayside. So we'll get into that in a second. We're going to take a hot break here, a little halftime break for some water, maybe a snack. Uh, and we'll get into these coaches. And then we'll get into week eight matchup predictions. So hang tight, friends. All right, team, we are back. 
was a nice little halftime break. Got some water, took a breath, shook it out. Here we go. All right, as I mentioned before we went into our halftime break, we're gonna talk about the coaches. So um, there are a few coaches that have made the list of being in the hot seat and might need to be uh, looking for a new job soon. So we're gonna start with number one, Urban Meyer of the Jacksonville Jags. <laughs> I think we can all agree on this one. <laughs> the Jags are standing at one and five after week seven. They narrowly pulled off their first win of the season in week six against the Dolphins in London. And beyond having one of the worst standings in the league, Urban Meyer's personal life is also a disaster and is making many people judge his character as well as his coaching technique. This is his first season in the NFL and quite possibly his last season in the NFL. <laughs> All right, here we go. We are moving on. Number two, David Coley of the Houston Texans. The Texans are another team that have won only one game this entire season. Um, the only team that they have beat this season is the Jags, who we just talked about, who are equally just as terrible. Uh, this is Coley's first season as head coach and his first season with the Texans. He's been in the league for a long time, but mostly as either an assistant coach or uh, a wide receivers coach. Um, but this is his first stint as a head coach in the league. Um, he walked into, let's be honest, a terrible system, um, that was going through a rough patch, losing a number of its best players. Um, and whatever happens with the Texans this season, I personally see the organization giving him another shot after this season, especially since, when he walked in, it was just falling apart at the seams, and I'm sure he was just trying his best to hold it all together. So I see them giving him another shot, at least for one more year, to see if he could pull it together. All right, moving on to number three, we have Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears. Um, the Bears are currently sitting at three and four after week seven. Matt Nagy is in his fourth season with the Bears. Nagy was brought to Chicago to, quote, fix the offense, unquote. Instead, it's gotten progressively worse over the last four years. Nagy's offense didn't work with Mitchell Trubitsky or Nick Foles or Andy Dolan or Justin Fields. <laughs> there appears to be one common denominator in the equation, and that's Nagy. Bears fans are worried that the same will happen with another first-round quarterback, Justin Fields. There have been signs that Nagy is beginning to lose the locker room and that his team hasn't been prepared for big-time games. Many are saying that he most likely won't lose his job mid-season, but that they'd be surprised if he comes back next year. So I think that since this is his fourth season with the organization, I think hopefully Hopefully they would be over it and they're like, it's time to move on. Thank you for the last four seasons. Goodbye. All right, moving on to number four, Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos. Okay, the Broncos are sitting at three and four after week seven. Okay, first of all, I just have to say this is hurting my heart, hurting my heart. My heart is breaking as we talk about this one, but we got to do it. As you know, I am from Denver, so this one hits, hits pretty hard for me in the soul. Um, I love the Broncos, as you know, and I am convinced that we haven't have 
had we have not had an effective head coach since Mike Shanahan, who was with the team many, many, many eons ago. Um, one could argue though that Gary Kubiak was one of the best head coaches we've had, but he was also blessed with the one and only Peyton Manning as his quarterback. So it's hard to say if he was actually great or if Manning made him look great, especially after they won the Super Bowl um, together. So Fangio, though, moving back to Vic Fangio, who's the current head coach, is in his third season with the Broncos and has posted losing seasons for, so far, all three of them. His game time decisions have been questionable at best, and his uh, the team is making foundational mistakes um, on the field, which means that the coaching staff is just clearly not doing their job. So I hope that LA will look at this here in depth and make some big changes for next season. Um, although his coaching hires have not been that great. So, you know, we've had John Fox. We've had um, Gary Kubiak, who is good. We've had like, you know, some okay coaches, but we just have not had and you want to just grab a hold of that team and just make a really big change and be like the leader that that team needs. So I'm looking forward to, you know, a big change for next season. Moving on to my fifth one, we have Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins. Flores is in his third season as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. The, the Dolphins are currently sitting at one and six on the season. The team is on the heels of a five-game losing streak with a loss in London to the Jaguars, accelerating the issue per CBS. Owner Stephen Ross is reportedly becoming concerned about the direction of the team. Quote, there is a really negative vibe down there right now. Unquote, a source told CBS. Quote, a lot of players just do not trust Flores. Flores thinks he's a player's coach with an open-door policy, but I know a number of players who would tell you that they don't think he is approachable or flexible, unquote. So I think it's pretty obvious the Dolphins have just not been a leading team in the league for a very long time, and I think it's time for a change. He's been with them for three seasons, and... You know, he proved that he's just not what that team needs. And again, it's just might be time to move on from Brian, from Brian Flores. Okay, team, we have made it. We just like sped through week six and week seven. So um, week eight starts tonight. It is Thursday. Um, and we're going to go through the week eight matchups. These are my predictions for the weekend coming up and I'm excited to watch some football. All right. So we have the Packers at the Cardinals. This is going to be a killer game. This is like, mm, this is going to be a good game. It took me a while to decide who I was going to pick for this game because both teams are just fire right now. Um, but I ended up going with the Packers for this game. I just think that there's just some magic that Aaron Rodgers has right now with his team. Um, I will say that they are missing some good key players on the team. So that's going to be a little bit difficult for him, but they're just so much more experienced and Aaron Rodgers just has so much 
um, oomph. I don't know. He's just like, he has so much more knowledge and uh, more, more experience, obviously. Um, than Kyler Murray. It's going to be a tight, close game. And honestly, I won't be surprised if the Cardinals do end up winning this game. But I chose the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is just a game changer. And I personally just don't see him letting his team lose this game. So I picked the Packers. Um, Moving on, we have the Panthers at the Falcons. I think judging by what we were talking about earlier with the Panthers just kind of having a downward spiral since the first few weeks of the season. I would pick the Falcons. Um, I mean, the Falcons also aren't like that great, but I think that they're better than the Panthers. And I think, you know, Sam Darnold really needs to step it up if he's going to make a change for his team. So I picked the Falcons for that one. Moving on, we have Titans at the Colts. Um, the Colts have been kind of a hot streak recently, but the Titans have been crazy the past few weeks. Um, I just talked about uh, Tannehill having his best game of the season so far last week. I talked about Derrick Henry in week six running 21.8 miles per hour. So that team is just really stacked and they are just on this high right now. They have really good momentum. So I think they're just going to take it and run with it and run with it. I mean, Henry's definitely going to run with it. We know that. Um, <laughs> that was a good joke. Um, they're going to run with it, and I think they're going to crush the cold. Moving on to the Dolphins at the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills. Um, like we just talked about, the Dolphins are just having a terrible season. Um, they've won one game this season. Their coach is in limbo. Um, Tua, we don't know what's going on with him. And the Bills are just a solid team. They've lost a few games recently, but I just I'm a Josh Allen believer. I believe in this team. I think that they're a good team still, even though they've kind of had some unfortunate games recently, but I'm going to take the Bills on this one, especially since they're in Buffalo. Yeah. All right. Next, I have the Bengals at the Jets. This is an easy one. The Bengals for sure are going to beat the Jets, especially since the Bengals are also on a little bit of a high right now. Um, And the Jets just haven't been on a high in many, 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 many years. So <laughs> we're definitely going to go with uh, the Bengals. Moving on to the Steelers at the Browns. This is a really good game. This is going to be a tough one. Um, I love Baker Mayfield. I love the Browns, but I just think that the Steelers just have so much animosity towards this team that I think that there's just no way they're going to let the Browns beat them, especially they're in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Steelers on this one. It's going to be a really good divisional game though. All right, moving on to the Eagles at the Lions. I'm going to take the Eagles for this game. This one, I was like, none of these teams are good. Um, (laughs) but I took the worst of two evils, I guess. I took the the Eagles. Um, the Lions are just really sad right now. Um, I want them to win. I want them to kind of like boost their or mojo and get something going here, but I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, so I, I took, I took the Eagles. All right. Moving on to the Rams at the Texans. This is an easy one. The Rams are crushing it this season and the Lions are quite literally doing the opposite. So I took the Rams for this one. I think they're absolutely going to dominate the Texans. Moving on. I have the 49ers at the Bears and I took the 49ers for this game. Um, the Bears obviously don't believe in their coach and their coach may not believe in them. (laughs) I think that there's a lot of drama going on with Justin Fields and, 
Um, I know that the 49ers have not been playing that great this season, but I think that they are playing better than the Bears. So I went ahead and took the 49ers. And like I said earlier, I really like Jimmy Garoppolo, also known as Jerry Garoppolo, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, and Kittle, and they're a great team. So 49ers. Moving on to the Patriots at the Chargers. This was an interesting one. I kind of like went on a limb here and took the Chargers. Um, I don't know. I was like, you know, Patriots are good. Chargers have had a great season. Patriots, you know, Mac Jones, he's he's getting there. He's starting to build his foundation with that organization. But I just think the Chargers are – I think they're a really good team. I know that they didn't have a good showing um, in week six. But they had a bye week, and they're I think they're coming back. So I took the Chargers for this, and I think they're really going to just be like, okay, sorry, guys. We are back. Hi, it's us again. We're back. We're back to win. All right, moving on to the Jaguars at the Seahawks. This was also another weird one because normally I would pick the Seahawks no matter what. But without Russell Wilson, they're like not the Seahawks. I don't know who they are, but they're not the Seahawks, and it's very strange. The Jaguars just won their first game. I don't know. I picked them for some reason. I was like, you know what? They may have got this. So we're, I picked the Jaguars. I can't take it back now. I already said it. So they're going. I'm going Jaguars on this one. We'll see how that goes. All right, <laughs> moving on. Move the Bucks at the Saints. Obviously, took the Bucks. I think, you know, they're having a wonderful season. Their players are having fun. Tom Brady is just the GOAT and wants to play until he's 75. And you know what? He might. So I'm going to take the Bucks. They're just, they're just a good team. They're a good team. They're fun to watch. And I just, the Saints are just kind of like all over the place. So I took the Bucks. Moving on to Washington at the Broncos. I think we all know who I'm picking for this one. I'm taking the Broncos. I think that, uh, knock on wood, this will be a game that they can win. So <laughs> hopefully I didn't just jinx them, especially they're in Denver. So let's go, Broncos. Come on. All right, moving on to the Cowboys at the Vikings. I took the Cowboys. Cowboys are a great team this season. Vikings aren't bad, but the Cowboys are really good. So um, Dak is just, he's a beast, and he's really leading his team. So I'm excited for him and his team, and I, I took the Cowboys. And then moving on to the Giants at the Chiefs. Um, I took the Chiefs for this game, although the Giants won last weekend. Uh, I think the Chiefs, I don't know. It's like they win massively, and then the next weekend they lose massively and then the next thing and they win so they lost last week like terribly by like a lot so maybe this weekend they'll be like sorry sorry guys we're back we're playing well again plus they're in kansas city and they're playing the Gi the giants who are just like not really that great um i think they'll win i think they'll be fine um, but I do think that Patrick Mahomes needs to like tell his family to pull it back or something because they're losing it and they're making him look bad. And I think we can all agree with that. Okay. That was that. Nice. We just, we flew through this, you guys, we flew through it. Um, that was my recap on week six and week seven. <laughs> It was so quick. Um, 
I'm excited for this weekend of games. Halloween, it's going to be fun. Um, there's going to be some good games. There's going to be some weird games, but I'm going to watch all of them and just take down the best notes. Um, and I can't wait to talk about week eight games with you guys next week. So that was it, team. Thanks for tuning in again, and we will meet up again same time next week. All right. Bye.